every night of all teams. Went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Hello and welcome to Ford the Hamlet. My name is Ben Sibley and I'm joined by Hugo Greenhouch. How are you doing, guys? Uh, how have you been? Been well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, Dulwich results aside, it's been a nice little end to the summer. Um, how about you? Any escapades before uh, we get on to me? I went to see Aphex Twin on Saturday night at Printworks after the 3-2 defeat to Hungerford. So that put quite a nice gloss on my evening. It was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, pretty rowdy. Uh, how has your time been in the last couple of weeks? Uh, it's very nice. Uh, treating myself to a little trip to Lisbon. Uh, well, I said treating myself. It was actually a birthday present, which was a shout out to the girlfriend. So Nice. Very thanks, nice. Thanks very much, Elena. Inspired by you, I'm actually going there next week. So, um, yeah, we'll forward the Hamlet very much active in the... Iberian Peninsula. <laughs> uh, we've got something a little bit different this week, listeners. Um, we have had a request from a player to come on the show. Uh, Danny Mills told me a few weeks ago how much he enjoyed uh, the recent episodes and that he would really like to come on. So, Forby, <laughs> uh, from us to turn down a request like that, we invited him on and, um, yeah, we, we've um, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I had a whale of a time speaking to Danny. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really insightful. <clears throat> it was everything I always wanted it to be. Uh, and I'm really glad that we got the opportunity to chat to him. And also very thankful that he took time out after spending time with the youth team this afternoon to chat to us. He didn't have to do that. Uh, he was very gracious and humoured us. Uh, and yeah, so I think we should probably just get into it. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, here is For the Hamlet meets uh, Danny Mills. Enjoy. We thought we'd start right back back at the beginning. You're you're a local lad. Yeah. Uh, from pretty near around here, Croydon. Am I right? Croydon. Yeah. Yeah. CR zero. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are your first memories of football? Um, my first memories of football were going to my dad's on the weekend and playing in the park behind his house. Um, Every other weekend in the summer, I used to spend hours and hours there playing against like a lot of older kids. Um, and I wouldn't come back until my dad used to scream at me to come come back, probably because he'd forgotten that I'd been there for about five or six hours. Um, but yeah, those are probably my my really early, early memories of playing football. Um, you know, I used to, I used to love it. I, I never used to take it that seriously, if I'm being honest. Like, it was just, just a bit of a hobby for me. Um, and the older I got, the more I grew to, to love it even more. Those are my earliest memories of football. Well, you, did you play at school? Did you have a school team or you were at a I club? I did. So, uh, do you know what? My my dad didn't let me play football uh, in terms of a team until I was probably about 12 or 13. So, he just wanted me to enjoy it, really, um, and just play for fun. Uh, when I was in primary school, we had, a, we had a school team, and that was probably my first experience of being in, like, a, a team. I didn't know what position I was. The, the manager or the staff just said, what position is every, does everyone want to play? And I, I suppose everyone wanted to play up front because they wanted to score the goals. Um, 
and that was probably my first real experience of playing with people in some sort of a structure um we went on to have a good good season i guess i went to pearly oaks primary school um and we went on to have a good season we got to a cup final we lost to thornton man i think they were called i can't remember what they were called but but it was it was um it was the first time i've ever i'd ever really lost anything and it was like oh this is nice and exciting and from then i really wanted to get into a team so it wasn't until i actually got to secondary school where croydon athletic put a leaflet through the door ran to my dad please please can i join a team join a team he said he would think about it um and eventually i got the opportunity to go there um had a trial and i was there for about four years played in every age group up to the under 16s and um that was my first real like club and you know it was um for me it was it was the best thing to 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 play for a club and to i used to walk i was able to walk to the stadium and it was it was a it was a dream for me really to just be at that level. So I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So that was where you got like your first proper coaching and stuff at, at Croydon. Yeah. So um, that was sort of my first experience of being in a a club, if you will. Um, and you know, I had very good sort of goal scoring seasons there. Um, I then got an opportunity probably at thirteen fourteen to go on trial with uh, QPR. Now that was a that was a, obviously a very big deal uh, for me at the time, and I suppose it was my first uh, my first sort of insight of a professional football club, um, and and being in and around players who were one better than me, um, and two had a professional mindset because I never had that. I just used to play Sunday football, score goals, go home, and not think about it till the next week. Um, but this was when it all got quite quite serious the training was serious the environment was um was more professional um so i was there for quite uh, quite a while um uh, they decided not to take me in the end and i went back to to Croydon athletic and had another few good years and scored lots of goals um i suppose when you get to that age of 16 when you finish secondary school there's always that transition period um so it's either you go and do an apprenticeship like some of the academy boy, academy boys here are doing, or you might just fall fall by the fall by the wayside. Really, that's just the nature of it. You you do other things. So Croydon Athletic actually started an academy. It was called the ProTech Academy, and it was a similar setup to what we have at Dulwich here, where you could do a BTEC um, a vocational course as well as training sort of three four days a week. But I always wanted to do my A levels, so. I did get into the academy, but because of my desire to do my A-levels, I decided not to join. And I ended up joining Croydon FC. Um, and I had a, that was, I suppose, my first year scholar, you would say um, now. And I had a, a, um, a good year, had a very good year. I was able to study like I wanted to study. Um, and then I actually broke into the first team when I was 16. I think they were in the Kent Premier League. That's mad, 16 years old. So I was 16 and I got my first experience of men's football, which was quite surreal because although I'm maybe a bit taller now, I wasn't physical back then, I was still a boy. I was going to ask, so even at that age, were you considered quite tall for your age group? Or I, I had you say, not had like a growth spurt yet? I, don't, I, I always look back, I, I don't remember being this tall when I was that age. I think I was on the verge of getting there. Um, but... 
I think going into men's football, I was still a, still a boy and I didn't have many man strength. I didn't know how to use my body. So that was a, a shock to the system when the first team manager said, yeah, I want you to, to play for me. And um, it was it was brilliant. You know, I, I played quite a few games and managed to score a couple of goals, which was a great experience for me. And I think that experience was probably the beginnings of me playing non-league football and getting used to that physical side of the game. And I think as my career has gone on, I've tried to incorporate what I learned back then when I was 16, probably going back 12 years ago when I probably played my first first team game. Um, and then from then, my second year, I got the opportunity to go on trial with Crawley Town um, in my, would be my second year scholar. Again, it, it was the same setup as what, you know, as a, an academy, they have BTECs and it was never anything that interested me. I had done a year at, college, uh, at sixth form and I wanted to finish and I was fortunate where they gave me they gave me the opportunity to say look literally just come and play a game every Wednesday for us go to school um, and that was probably then the beginnings of me starting starting to climb the football pyramids um, at the time they were in the conference they weren't the team they were now they didn't have the money Steve Evans was the manager um, and I just played in the youth team I just went there played in the youth team had a had a very good start to the season and the first team manager got me to sign first team forms which was which was brilliant um and i just continued to play in the youth team just continued to play in the youth team and then eventually i got an opportunity to play in his in his first team um i believe the my debut was on satanta sports if you remember that channel <laughs> that's, that's how right. far back that is how yeah that, that's how old i feel right now satanta sports i do remember it yeah and my debut, I uh, I came on as a sub. I believe we had a man sent off, and then I was resubbed again. So it lasted. <laughs> I think it lasted all of seven or eight minutes that debut, quickest debut in history. I think that was, and I was probably seventeen years old. It's brutal. Uh, it's brutal, isn't it? That's a brutal. Best of Tanta, we're loving that. Oh, it was carnage. It was carnage. I was like, I saw my number up, and I was like. I guess I'm coming off now. <laughs> cheers, cheers, Steve. Um, so yeah, came came off, and that was my debut for the first time. I was 17 oh, years old, and um, that was my first game in the conference, which was which was brilliant. But it was um, in the end, it it was a really it was a really good season for me, and I ended up finishing the season top goal scorer in the league, top goal scorer in my youth team, and the first team offered me sort of a full contract on 30 pounds a week. That was my first contract and I never played a first team game again because it was, I came back in pre-season, I was training with the first team and the the manager asked me to come on the pre-season tour to Scotland because he's Scottish, he had his links in Scotland and had a, a good time up there. You know, we it was hot, which was, which was interesting. I know it was summer, but it's never hot in Scotland, but it was hot. Um, and I remember on the day, the the day we was coming back, I was doing my scholar jobs, my youth team jobs or whatever, like or my first year pro uh, job. And he pulled me on the training pitch that we were training at. And he said, um, he said, Millsy, um, how do you like God's country? I said, what? What's God's country? He said, Scotland. How do you like Scotland? I was like, oh, it's all right. Yeah, it's nice. You know, <laughs> I was a bit of aloof. I was just like, yeah, it's nice. So what have I done wrong? Right. He said, would you like to stay? So I said, um, why not? 
you know, I'll stay. We, I said, are we staying for another couple of days then? He goes, no, just you on your own. He goes, have you ever heard of, of, of rangers? I was like, yeah. He goes, well, they want to have a look at you. I was like, look at me. So I ended up staying for another week and went on trial with rangers. Um, what year is this? Is this before they went down? This was when they were... Yes, this was before. So this, this was, was just before. Celestia, yeah. Yeah. Just before, yeah. So they were still in the SBL. They um, would have just got to the UEFA Cup final as well. Yeah, they? They, were st- they were definitely still in the SBL. Yeah. But I believe it was a year or so later where all the financial sure, problems happened yeah. and they went down. But in the Scottish system, I don't know if it's the same now, but they had an under-19s. So I still was able to play another year in the under-19s. So that's where I went on trial um, and had a great week really enjoyed it that was really a, a great experience to be in and around first team players as well as obviously you know the a different league a different country are there any players you remember from that Ooh, brief period from rangers i, I, I really don't it's, yeah. it's, it's such a it's such a long walter was it walter smith was a manager is that his name yeah, yeah. he was the first team yeah. manager yeah. i remember he was the first team manager i remember that um, but I don't really remember any of the players. wasn't around them too much, but I remember the manager was Walter Smith because he had to offer me a, a pro as well as the the youth team uh, year contract. Um, so I flew back to, to England and he, my manager, Steve Evans, said, oh, did you enjoy yourself? They really like you. They want you to come back, um, but you're not going to go back because we've had bids from three or four clubs in this country. And all this was quite a, a shock to me because I'd never, I, I suppose I'd never really thought I was good enough to, to step up. I had a lot of friends that have played in the game and that were at big clubs like Palace and, and, and other clubs. But I always just saw myself as a non-league player, always. Even at that age, I just played for fun, really. I had applied for university. I was ready to go. Um, and then probably within a week, I went to Peterborough, which was... A shock. Steve Evans drove me there in his car, his little Jaguar, and he didn't tell me where we were going. He just said, "We're we're driving somewhere for you to sign." And um, I met Darren Ferguson, who was the manager at the time. And so he didn't tell you before you got in the car. Where I didn't you know were where I was going. I didn't know but where. You'd already been sold. I was already gone. I was. I'd already been sold. I didn't know where I was going, and it was probably only till we was at the last part of the journey where he said, "Yeah, we're gonna go. You're gonna go sign for Peterborough now." How old are you now? 18? I was 18 at that point. I was I just turned 18. So this was probably in the July. I turned 18 in June. And um, it was, yeah, it was a very surreal experience. Peter had just been promoted to the championship. Um, and I ended up staying there for, for three years, um, which was which was an incredible experience. You know, I I was lucky and fortunate enough to, to play a few games in the championship at 18. Um, you know, I was in and around some really, really good players. Sergio Torres. That's the first time I met Sergio Torres. So I've known Sergio for a long time. That was the first time I actually met Sergio. Um, I love that you say around good players <laughs> and the first name is Sergio, Sergio Torres. Torres. Was that like the Craig McCall-Smith? Aaron McLean? Aaron McLean, who oh. I'm very close with. We're actually doing our B licence together. Really? Aaron McLean. Um, and he's back there now as first team, yeah. first team coach and under 23s coach. Craig McHale Smith used to bang goals in bang for goals fun. For yeah. fun, for fun. Um, Did he have a bad back? 
No. Was that Sonny? Probably might have done, but he yeah. still banged the goals in. Yeah. George Boyd was in that yeah. team. Yes. Dreamy Boyd. player. Yeah, yeah, Lou yeah. Tomlin was in that team. Yeah. Uh, Gab Sukwani was in that team. Team was incredible. Yeah. It was yeah. an incredible team. Some really technically good players. Yeah. Oh, it, was an, it was an unbelievable team. Um, so you can imagine training with those players, yeah. how amazing it was and the quality that they had. And it was it was a great experience to be around. You know, I had plenty of loan spells in non-league clubs, Torquay, Kettering, Histon. But all those experiences sort of made me the player I am now. You know, I managed to play quite a lot of games and, you know, I went to Tamworth as well and, it was it was brilliant to be able to to play a lot of games at that level because I had come from Crawley where I, I was never going to play to go in getting a move to then being able to come back to that level and then play which was great so I really enjoyed it. That's really interesting you framed it like that because when I was looking because we've known about you for a few years now and so we kind of knew your previous clubs just from looking you up and like wondering if we'd ever sign you <laughs> and. I always thought whenever you look at a player's like record of clubs they've been at and it's like loan here, loan there, loan there, loan there, you always think that must have been really difficult and I wonder if they look back on it negatively because they never felt settled anywhere or do they look back on it positively because they felt like they learned in different environments and I, you seem to look back on it positively. I, I, I come from from very like humble beginnings in terms of football. In terms of football, I come from humble beginnings in non-league. So non-league's all I've known and all I knew, uh, knew before I went to Peterborough. So for me to go back to non-league was nothing, was fine. It was fine. It was at my age, there was not, I, I didn't, I don't recall playing with or against many players my age playing in first teams in that conference national in, in, those, in those few years, apart from a few lads that I went on loan with. One player that I did actually play with, who was one of my teammates at Kettering, was Callum Wilson, who obviously now, is an England player yeah. um, and a Premier League player. Um, so it was really good to see his progress. Um, he was at Coventry at the time, so it was really good to, to, to see his progress. But for me, I really enjoyed the experience. I enjoyed driving to all the clubs and um, travelling to lots of nice grounds and, and playing in some really big games. You know, I, I, can, I can recall playing against Luton when I was at Kettering. We played there on a freezing Tuesday night freezing freezing it was cold i still remember i cannot remember that cold it was cold <laughs> um and luton obviously a massive club back in the championship there were seven eight thousand fans there and they were obviously the team trying to go up and we 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 one nil down and i remember scoring a goal in the 90th minute maybe and it is one of one of the best experiences I've ever had um, coming off the pitch at the end of the game getting absolutely hammered by 7,000 people I don't think they knew I was only 18 year old 19 year old kid <laughs> but for me all these different things make me who I am today um, and it, it from the outside in it's like he's always going alone he's, it must be horrible but honestly I really enjoyed it really enjoyed the experience yeah, I think you're right. Like just hearing it from your point of view is so interesting because like for us as as football fans, you know, when when we sign a new player or when we see a player in this league, it's like you jump on their Wikipedia page and it's just like a list of clubs mm. and appearances and goals. But like there's a backstory there to like all these experiences and then things that like no one even knows about, like you going on trial to Rangers and things yeah. like that and like all these managers you played under and yeah. it all kind of like builds you up to sort of 
being where you are now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is really interesting. Um, um, you mentioned to me uh, a couple of weeks ago that you also uh, were being tapped up to play basketball a bit. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, how old was I? I I start I started late with basketball because I always wanted to focus on my football. So I only started playing basketball probably when I was in year nine, which would make me what fourteen maybe thirteen, fourteen. Um, I, I just done it for fitness really and for, for banter my friends played so I thought and, and our team was good so I was like oh, we'll win every week um, so I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it and it got to a point where I'm, I was actually not bad at it not not you know I didn't think I was amazing because I didn't take it seriously um, I, it was only when I got to year 10 where I started dunking I started to grow a little bit and I started dunking and things like that and I got the opportunity to play for my um, my borough Croydon so I played for for Croydon um, for for a little period of time in in a few tournaments, um, but I always kind of I never pushed myself because I knew it's not what I really wanted to do. I always wanted to play football, um, and there was a period where there was maybe an opportunity for me to explore an opportunity to maybe go to America um, to potentially go and play in the college system. Um, there it was it was it was one conversation with a coach and he said you're good enough to maybe go and have a trial but again i dismissed it straight away because it wasn't anything that i was interested in but it's, it's it's amazing how different maybe my path could have been in another sport i i used to do athletics as well so i ran the 800 meters and i won the creating championships quite a few years in a row and ran for um the borough as well what was your distance? I was 800, 800 meters I used to run. Um, but again, I never really pursued it because it was always football, 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 football. That's the only thing I want to take seriously. But I liked playing a lot of sports in school. So, you know, it was it was great to just to just play for fun and keep fit, knowing that come Sunday I'm going to play football again. And back to the football, as you say, you had these loan spells while you are at Peterborough. Um, how did how did that sort of time of Peterborough come to an end, and what happened next? Um, it's funny because initially I signed a two year contract, and in the January of that last year, I was told that I was going to be released. So they said, "Look, you can either go now, or you can sit and do nothing, or you can." You can go on loan. It's up to you. You know we're not going to hold you back with anything. So I went, I went back to Kettering, I believe, or I went to Kettering for the first time um, and played under a manager called Marcus Law, who I still sort of keep in contact with now. He was a great guy. Played with him at Kettering and Tamworth on loan spells while at Peterborough, and I had a very good spell there um, in that second half of the season. I think I scored seven or eight goals um, in that period, and I was playing like a left wing or right wing I wasn't playing sort of as a main striker um, and then at the end of that year uh, Barry Fry who everyone obviously knows Barry Fry he rang me and said oh Millsy would give you another year if you want he said you've gone alone done well but I think the only reason why he had done that was because there was interest in from other clubs and maybe they thought that they could maybe get a fee for me perhaps because I signed the year and then I went on loan again for for another year. I went to Tamworth because Marcus went to Tamworth and he took me there. 
so I knew at the end of that year that was going to be it. I was going to be moving on. Um, and I think this is probably where my journey gets quiet. It could have gone one way or the other at this point. So I was 21. Um, I'd moved back home. And, you know, I'd spoken to various different agents. I'd never really had an agent as such. But I went on trial with Notts County uh, when they were in League One. Didn't materialise. Went to South End. Didn't materialise. And I found myself in a in a position where I wasn't playing football and I wasn't working. I was at home. What do I do? Um, and I had a period of about a couple of weeks where I was just going to my local gym. I was keeping fit. And all in my mind, I was thinking, is this for me anymore? Maybe I'm going to go uni. Maybe I'm just going to play for fun now, get a job. And... My one of my old PE teachers from secondary school rang me, said, oh, Millsy, um, why don't you just come and play a couple of games for Carl Shorten in the reserves? So this was quite a drop for me because I'd, you know, I'd been on loan, played at a lot of conference clubs and played in big games. And, you know, I really had to, I suppose, humble myself and say, Do you know what, I'm going to just go and play some games get fit and then just see where it takes me. So I ended up playing in the reserves at, at Carl Shorten, scored quite a lot of goals in the res- in the reserves for a couple of games. And then the first team manager approached me and said, do you fancy playing for me? I'll put you on a non-contract. So if anyone comes in for you, you can go. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll take the opportunity. I'll do it. I've got nothing else. So I might as well. And I ended up playing 10 games for Carl Shorten. One of those against Whitehawk. Never heard of them at the time. They were, I think, second or third in the league, maybe top. And this is in the Division One South, isn't it? This was in the right. This was in the Ryman Prem. This was in the uh, league below where we are now. So, Carshorton, we were in that league, and we played Whitehawk on a Tuesday night. We lost one nil. I thought I, I thought I played okay, not great, but um, after that, we I got they put a seven day in. I think that's what it was a seven day approach, and I spoke to the manager, Darren Freeman, who is the Lewis manager now. And one of my friends, Ramon, was at Whitehawk at the time, who was at Peterborough with me for the three years. We'd gone from Crawley together to Peterborough. He came after me. And in my head, I even think now, and I say to people now, I don't know why I went. I don't know why I went. I don't know what was what made me travel from Croydon to Brighton for less money than what I was getting at Car Shorten. And I, I, even to this day, I think, why? Like, what? What? The only thing that I could imagine was because my friend was there. But Carl Shorten was around the corner from my house, and I just thought to myself that Whitehawk were in a better position to get promoted. And if the the best happened and got promoted, then I'd be climbing the ladder again. And were you aware then of the the financial support they would? Go on to have in the in the years following. Didn't have a clue. No idea. Didn't have a clue. I'd never so heard of them. Yeah, I'd never yeah, heard of them. I'd yeah. never heard of them. I don't think many people had at that time. No, I, I, it's it, it's really strange because I've never heard of them. And I remember my first game was a Tuesday night. It's funny how you remember specific games. It was a Tuesday night against Kingstonians. Um, I started as a right midfielder, and I thought to myself, "Uh oh, <laughs> what have I done here? Do they, do they know I'm a striker?" and it got to just before half time 
And obviously everyone, everyone knows what White Walks ground's like, by the way. I'd never seen that ground. And I went there and I thought, what have I done? You can see the sea. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 thought, I thought to myself, what have I done? It's taken me an hour and a half, hour and 45 to get her in traffic. And I've come here and um, the pitch is on a hill. The changing rooms are horrible. Yeah. Sheds. And the floodlights went out just before half time. Game got abandoned. <laughs> so I'm in the change rooms now. I'm scratching my head. And I'm thinking, what have I done? Why did I? Why have I come here? But it's crazy because it's like the rest is history after that because we went on to have a, a great season. We won the league, got promoted into the Conference South and, you know, I spent five years at that club. And, you know, it's a club that I love so much now. Like, I really love the club, love the fans, love the people in charge of the club. You know, I, you know, I, just before the season started, I messaged the chairman and co-chairman and said, you know, all the best for the for the season. Up the Hawks, you know, I, I, I love the club. Then they showed me so much love. And for someone that was not born in Brighton or raised in Brighton, they took me in as one of their own. And it was very much a club at that time where the majority of the players were Brighton-based players. They never really had many people come outside of Brighton to play. And I was welcomed you know, from day one and went on to have an amazing, amazing sort of career in that period. And, you know, I was lucky enough to play 250 games, score over 100 goals and have an, an, a great FA Cup run, um, be in playoff finals, playoff semi-finals, play in front of record attendances for the football club, win top goal scorer, be in the top goal scorers in the, in the, in the division and... I suppose that was, I think if anyone speaks about myself, they always associate me now with Whitehawk. And for me, that's quite special because it's in non-league, players do not spend that period of time at football clubs. You've got Nyron that's been here 10 years, unheard of. And then myself, five years at a non-league club, again, unheard of. 250 games at one club in non-league is... Is not something that is is often achieved. So I feel quite proud to have, to have played for that football club, and they'll always have a special place in my heart. That's for sure. From the outside, watching Whitehawk over those years while you were there, more so than any other player for them, you always seemed to be the poster boy. It was Danny Mills. Danny Mills is Whitehawk, and. I'm just going to put this period of you at Whitehawk into context, yeah. and it. Bear with me, because I've just got this from Wikipedia, I'm going to be honest. So, what what I've got is 2011-2012, Division 1 South Champions. Then, following season, 2012-2013. Which is when I would have joined. Premier League Champions. Yes, that's the year I joined, yeah. Following season, survived in the Conference South on the last day. Sutton United scored a diving header. What minute? Ooh, it was ah, uh, it was in the second half, but I remember scoring a diving header. Was that the goal that kept you up? It might have been. It, I think it was a draw. I think we was three three. It was three three. It, it was three three, wasn't it? Yep, I remember that very clearly. It was a hot day. It, I think it, it might have been the second goal, but I remember it was a key. It was a key moment in the game, and what a day, what a day like to to stay up. <laughs> Following season, so twenty fourteen fifteen, lost in the playoff final after finishing fourth. Yeah. Yep. That was Boreham Wood. Boreham Wood at Boreham Wood. Yeah, we lost in extra time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that was painful. Following season, 2015 16, 
FA Cup run to the second round, lost in a replay against Dagenham and Redbridge. Unbelievable. I remember I scored in every round. Well, we, I remember, we I remember scoring in every you, round. You scored, I think you scored a hat-trick against us in that run. The run started against Dulwich Hamlet <laughs> with a hat-trick at home. The, the, run, the run started... You, your you guys tore us to shreds that day. Yeah, because that at that point in that season we were thinking we're pretty handy this season. Like, yeah, I think we had a good team. But we're yeah. gonna go pretty well this season, and then we went down to Whitehall and got destroyed. Yeah, yeah. and we were all buzzing as well because like it was really exciting to play them. We knew about their fan base. Like we were like hanging out all in the bar yeah. before the game. Game starts. Like it was like whoa, this is <laughs> this is another level. Like yeah. this is Conference South. Like yeah. that step is big. We were out of our depth. <laughs> It was it was uh, it was uh, brilliant because I at that time I met Gavin Caddy in the gym that I worked at at the time, um, so it was great to kind of to, to play against them and um, they told me about uh, a young player you had I believe he went by the name of Ethan Pinnock. He said he's a good centre half in a good centre half in, but he said he's quite young at the time, and I remember playing against him. I thought you know what he is good. He is a very good player, and obviously he's gone on to, to to do great things. And but that that was that was the the game that really set set the run of goals for me was that hat trick. And um, you know, I, like I said, I went on to score in every round. And you know, the replay against uh, Dagenham managed to score the first goal. It was amazing. You know, we was live on BT Sport. I watched it. We had two and a half thousand on a. You know, it was raining it was it was brilliant it was brilliant and um you know he was unlucky really to to lose the game in the end and obviously the prize at the end would have been Everton away which you know you look back now it still hurts but again and another amazing season an amazing season and you know I, you know it was um it was something that I'll never forget and something that every time you know I play in the FA Cup after that I always think of that and think could you do it again could he do it again? Could he do it again? Could he do it again? Could we? Could you know, with the FA Cup coming this Saturday, can we get to that first round, second round? Can we do the, the impossible, really? Like what Whitehawk? No one had heard of Whitehawk, and we, you know, we had an amazing run, and we were lucky in the sense where all of our games leading up were at home, apart from the second round where we played Dagenham. Obviously, got the last minute equaliser to get the replay. I mean, it's a ridiculous story because that season again, you got to the playoff semi final and lost. We, we did. We what had happened was we because we'd had such an amazing um, FA Cup run, our league form dipped, um, which meant that uh, Steve King at the time, who was manager, um, ended up leaving the football club. We found ourselves like fourth or fifth from bottom. We really, we, we, we were somewhere ridiculous at Christmas. Maybe, but we had all these games in hand. Maybe it was lower mid table. We went on to win so many games. Um, the team was an unbelievable team, but we we went on to win so many games. And I remember it was the last day of the season. I believe we were sixth. Hemel Hempstead were fifth, and we had to we we had the exact same points. Winner takes all to get in the playoffs, and we was away. And we won um, 3-0, I think. And we got into the playoffs. And I think we, at the time, it was, um, I think it was Ebbsfleet we lost to. We played Ebbsfleet and lost on penalties in the semi-final it was. And they went on to lose to Maidstone in the final at home. But again, it's a great experience. Playoffs, those are the games you want to play in. 
you know, it's it's heartbreak when you lose, but it's an amazing it's an amazing run, it's an amazing journey when you when you play in them. We've certainly had our fair share of that. Yeah, yeah. exactly, the exactly. Last, in, <laughs> yeah, in the exactly. same period, really. And then I guess I suppose, unfortunately, that's where it peaked. Well, mm-hmm. that was the last of really the good times, if you want yeah, to put it that way. Because yeah. the following season just about survived yeah. in the Conference South. Yeah, yeah. What do you remember of that first tough season after all those years of? I think that cup was, runs, was that my playoffs? last year. I, th- I think that was going into my. Yeah, it was 2016-17 survived, and then 17-18, Steve King returned. So I was gone, before but they went they, down. Yeah, so I was gone before they went down. So yeah. it was the yeah. So the season, the season that we stayed up was, it was a it was a hard season because they had kept faith in the manager at the time was Pablo Asensio, who was a was an Argentinian oh, coach, yeah. brilliant coach, brilliant, brilliant coach. And um, he had a philosophy where he wanted to bring a lot of foreign players to the football club. I, I'm not sure if you remember. At the time, we had maybe three or four English players in that team. And he lasted 10 games. It just didn't work. Um, we then had Richard Hill. I think the old Eastley manager came in for a period of time. Then he went. Then we had someone else come in. And it was just a... I knew during that season, this is going to be me now. I've, I've, I think this is... It was, the, it was the furthest I thought that the club was going to go. Um, and because of this, there was so much change. I was probably one of the only players left of the old guard. I was the longest serving player. And I felt, you know what? It's probably time for me to, to move on at the end of this season. But... I still wanted to make sure that the club survived, which we ended up doing a couple of games before. And my last game was against Gosport uh, away. Uh, I scored. And when that final whistle went, I knew that this is going to be the last time that I'm going to play for this club. You know, I've played five years. It's been a big part of my life, um, big part of my family's life, coming to watch me down in Brighton and, you know, my, my wife's life coming down to watch me. It was, it was, a, it was a big part of it. And I knew that, you know, that was going to be it. Um, so after I'd, I'd left Whitehawk, I didn't know I didn't know what was going to happen, to be honest. Um, I didn't know whether anyone would want me. I didn't know I didn't know what level I was going to play at. I was just in, in, in limbo, really. But I had so many calls at the end of that season and it was I felt a little bit naive in a sense because I played for Whitehall for five years. That was my club. I'd never spoken to any other clubs, really. And it was like, now I was getting bombarded with all these calls. Ah, oh, Millsy, Millsy, Millsy. Ah, oh, we want to take you, we want to take you. I thought to myself, where, where do I go? Like, where do I go from here, like, being at this club for five years? Because yeah. you could, you sort of had the pick of the bunch, didn't you? Like, you could have... Yeah, it was pretty much, you could go, I could, I had a lot of options. And um, a year before that, I had moved to uh, near Maidstone. And um, at the at the time, Ebbsfleet was one of the options, and I work um, I worked within the same facilities where their training pitch was, or the training ground was, and I thought, you know what, this could be a good fit for me. Just got promoted, I felt like I'd earned the right to step up into the league above and you know try and give it a good go. And at the time. My mentality at the time was, I don't want to be here long. I want to go and smash goals in, 
because there's only one place you go when you do well there and that's a football league and, and that was in my head I was thinking it's, it's taken a few years but now there's an opportunity to to go and you know you look at players you know the obvious ones like Jamie Vardy who sort of paved the way now for like non-league players now to, to step up into into the football league and my mentality was right I'm ready to go now I'm gonna I'm gonna if I have to do a, I'm gonna have a good season I'm gonna get my head down 20 goals 25 goals let's see what happens and you know unfortunately things never really materialized for me there um you know I worked hard it was the first time that I'd been back in full-time training for five years so that was quite an adjustment for me um but I, I did enjoy the experience. You know, I met a lot of great people. Marvin McCoy, who's here now. Jack Connors, who's here now. Um, and, you know, I ended up, again, doing loan spells. And again, it wasn't really something I was used to being at one club for so long. So to go on loan again, it, you know, it did knock my confidence a bit. I, I, you know, I'd like to say I'm quite a confident person. But when I didn't get my opportunity, I thought to myself, well, is this, re is this really what football's about? Like, is this really what football's like? Um... Like I said, maybe I was a little bit naive because I was playing every week for five years. Um, but again, it shapes you. It shapes you as an individual. You know, I, I went on to go on loan to Dartford, lost the, lost the league on the last day of the season um, and then ended up uh, getting uh, knocked out in the semi-finals to Braintree, who eventually went up. And then went on loan to Welling to, to play for, for for an old manager that I played for, Steve King. And again, lost in a playoff final. So, you know, I've had a lot of experience in losing in playoff semi-finals and finals. But um, I, I, I got that love back for football again last season. You know, I, I'd, I'd kind of fallen out of it, of love for it, you know, in that first year at, at Ebbsfleet. And going to Welling sort of re rekindled that, that love again. Um, and then obviously this summer, I... Uh, I decided to um, to come to the Hamlet, the mighty Hamlet. So here I am. Here I am now. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll get on to that next. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll take you out of the mega container. We'll have a little wander around the uh, Champions Hill pitch, I think. Brilliant. Quite nice to use that as a backdrop. But before we go, <laughs> I, I imagine this kind of shit has been done before, to be honest. I know I'm not original. It's a Danny Mills Q&A. It's a Danny Mills Q&A. Yeah. Interesting. What is that? But it's, it's about the other Danny Mills. Oh. <laughs> There's another one, isn't it? <laughs> Apparently. I had to do some research. <laughs> How old is Danny Mills? Oh, my God. 42? Yes. Oh, <laughs> my God. Come on. That's not bad for me. I listen to him on Talk Sport. That's probably what I know. Where was he born? I'm just going to say Leeds because he played for them. Oh, Norwich. Norwich. How many England caps does he have? Good question. I'm going 73. <laughs> no, no. 19. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's so bad, isn't it? 73. That's Gary Neville. He is ahead of him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, next one. Have you ever met Danny Mills? <laughs> I have not met Danny Mills, no. I have not. <laughs> Maybe that could be arranged. Yeah. I would love to meet him, you know. I'd love the songs that what we should say to Danny. Oh, no. It's like I'm destined to meet him, isn't it? Like we should just have a picture together. Yeah, we'll invite him now to a game. <laughs> uh, who did he make his Leeds Champions League debut against? Leeds Championship debut. Sheffield Wednesday. Champions League. Champions League. Oh, oh, Champions Championship. Yeah, this, Champions League. This is in that halcyon period of. Oh God. 
group stages. Oh. Oh. I'm going to go with... I tell you, they, lo- they lost 4-0, if that helps. Leeds lost 4-0. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go with Napoli. Barcelona at the new camp. Oh, I should have just said Barcelona. <laughs> right on the tip of my tongue as well. I didn't want to go for an obvious team. Yeah. It would be like one of those. Ah, oh. you went all football. Should have gone Deportivo. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. One of those they, teams. They were good back then. <laughs> Who did he join after Leeds? City. Correct. Yes. How many? And I'm going to give you a, a fictional point if you get within five of this. Yeah. How many career goals did he score? It's not as many as you. Nine. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Come on, get in. See the answers. Hey, facing this way. <laughs> facing this way. Yeah. Yeah. Not, there's no cheating going on, listeners. I can confirm. And la- last question: Which club did Danny Mills recently claim play Route One football? To which he was roundly criticised for. Who play Route One football? Right. Burnley. Not a bad guess, actually. Sheffield United. Oh. Yeah. I think that was on TalkSport at some point. Yes. Okay, interesting. Oh, Danny Mills. That was That's not Danny bad. Mills. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad. Hey, got to meet him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we'll ask him <laughs> the same questions about you. Right, so we're just coming outside onto the hallowed turf of Champion Hill. Uh, we, we left off at uh, you uh, leaving... Um, where was it? Welling. 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 Yep. And yep. this summer you signed for Dulwich Hamlet. Talk to us about your thought processes. How did that? How did the move come about? And, and what were your sort of preconceptions about joining? Um, so I obviously I'd known Gav and Junior Caddy um, for quite a few years. Um, met them, like I said, in the gym that I worked in, and we've always sort of stayed in touch. Um, they've tried to bring me to the club before. But for whatever reason, things just haven't materialized and it just wasn't maybe the right time. So when I had, um, when my loan spell was done at Wellin and, you know, I knew that I was leaving Ebbsfleet, you know, again, I was in a, in a position where I didn't know if anyone would want me. Um, I didn't know where I was going to go or what the, what the next move was, to be honest. So, you know, Gav got in contact and you know, he said to me, look, that, you know, there's going to be big, big changes and big project where they're going to be moving to full time training and whether it was something that I was interested in. And if I'm being very honest, I wasn't. If I'm being very honest, brutally honest, I said to him, don't, don't think the full time training's for me. I don't think it's for me. Um, Why was that? I just, I just thought that I didn't know if I would enjoy it, if, if I'm being honest. I don't. I didn't know if I'd enjoy training full time again. I'd done it at Ebbsfleet, did enjoy it, but then I thought to myself, maybe just go back part time and work, and you know, just do that. And it, you know, it was a, it, this was a big year for me because I got married. I'm in the summer. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I started my B license. So there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on. So I, I, I said to I said to Gav, I said, I'll be honest, I need a bit of time to think about it and not think about it because I've got other things going on. So if you would allow me a bit of time to just, you know, process it, then I will let you know when I get back from my honeymoon. Priorities. Priorities. I had a wife. I got, I got a <laughs> wife to think of now. So, um, 
So anyway, you know, I, I had some time to think about it. Um, and one of the big things for me was I really wanted to get involved in their academy. And, you know, two or three clubs that I had spoken to, I had the same conversation. I said, I really want to get involved in the, in the academy in whatever capacity, whether that be the water boy, the bib man, whatever you wanted. I, you know, I, I have, I had, I, you know, I said I wanted to start from the bottom. You know, I'm doing my, my, my badges and I just wanted to, like I said, I really wanted to just strip things back and humble myself and say, do you know what? I'm willing to do what it takes to start climbing that sort of coaching or management ladder, whatever you want to call it. So we sat down when I got back and we managed to come to, to come to an agreement with everything. And I said, you know what? I'm willing to put myself fully into the club if I'm able to work for the academy. And Gav, it wasn't even a, a really a question really for, for Gav. He said, of course, you know, you can, you can work in the academy, you can assist Junior James and, um, you know, you can be here full time. And that's what I really wanted. I said, if I'm going to be here full time, let me be here full time. Let me put all my energy and my heart and soul into Dulwich Hamlet. You know, I knew the fan base. I knew players that had played for it. So I didn't, that side of things, I knew what the club was like in terms of, you know, I, I'm very good friends with Ose Sankofa, who's, who's played here. So he told me a lot about the club. Anthony Cook told me a lot about the club. So I kind of got a good idea of what it was about. And when, you know, Gav said that they could give me that opportunity, it wasn't, it wasn't even, there was no other club that could really come close in terms of that opportunity to, to coach the academy and be in a very important role in that academy. Um, and, it, and I, I didn't think twice after that. I thought to myself, yep, once I had agreed my days, what I was going to do and, and how it was going to work, you know, I was, I was ready to, to sign that dotted line. You know, they, I spoke to the, the, the chairman, Ben, he gave me, you know, an opportunity to be at the club for two years at least as well, which was a massive part of it as well. And, um, you know, here I am, here I, here, here, here I am. You know, I took my I took my photo with my scarf with my skinny jeans on, <laughs> um, my tight jeans. That did not go unnoticed. Um, and I thought, you know what? I came here and I felt this is the first time since I've been at Whitehawk that I feel like this is a home. Um, and I, you know, I look around and I'm back in South London where I grew up. You know, this is home for me. This really is home. Um, my parents live 15 minutes from here, 20 minutes from here. You know, unfortunately, I live a bit further afield now, but it's still home, coming back home. And, um, you know, ever since I've been here, I've been, you know, welcomed by the fans, by the management team, um, you know, obviously by the players, by all the staff here. And um, I've, I, I, I really feel like deep down, I've made such a good decision, the best decision I could have made, probably the best decision since I went to Whitehawk. But I didn't know back then that that was going to be such a, good decision but I know that this is a good decision um, and you just look at the surroundings even just looking around this club now you know I could see myself being here for five years like I was at Whitehawk and it would be a dream to emulate what I'd done there and go get in playoff finals and hopefully win a playoff final <laughs> um, to score loads of goals and to, to be a big part of the history of the football club. Do you think you would have felt at home as quickly at any club you decided to join where you would have had an opportunity to work with the academy and given a similar role? Or do you think that there's other factors which are playing into that as well as? Definitely other factors. Um, 
firstly, knowing the management team is a big thing. It's a massive thing. And being able to pick their brains and really learn from them because Gavin and Caddy are also from South London. I'm from South London. So they've been at this club 10 years. I want to emulate what they've done. So there's, there's, there's other things where I look up to them and I, I respect them as, as, as not only as, as individuals and people, but, but obviously as coaches and managers. And I think the older that I've got and stepping into the building now, every time we're on the training pitch, I have a coach head on. Why is Gav doing that? Why is Caddy doing that? How would I do that? Would I do that or would I not do that? When he has team talks, when he has meetings with us, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be like a magpie. That was one of the things that we learned on, our, on, on the B license is be a magpie, pick the good things from people. And there's so many great things that, you know, that I've seen that, that I'll do that. I'll do that with my team. I'll do that with my team. I'll take that. Um, but also one of the things that I think make me feel at home here is the fans. I feel like they've welcomed me straight away with open arms and to, to be so appreciated so early on is, um, is really amazing. It's really amazing. And, you know, you don't get that all the time. You don't get, you know, I've been at clubs in the past where maybe on loan or elsewhere where they might not welcome you as much. And you do feel it as a player. You do feel that energy from people. Uh, for someone like myself, it, it's kind of like water for a duck's back. But when you do get that love, it really does give you that extra 5% or 10% to say, do you know what? I'm going to run around for these fans because they're cheering for me. I'm going to do more. I'm going to bust a gut to get there or do this and do that. And if I can't, I'm going to try anyway. So that's definitely why I feel at home. And obviously being, like I said, being around the corner from where you know I lived for so many years. As, as you described, there's quite a lot of sort of upheaval at the club, like quite a lot of change this summer with a lot of new players coming in and, and sort of right from day one, it sort of seemed like there's the really kind of exciting project starting here. Can you sort of describe how it felt those first few weeks of training and then starting pre-season on the tour? Yeah, it was, it was amazing because, like I said, before, when Gav mentioned that the club wanted to go full-time, my first impressions were like, I sort of thought, I don't think this is for me, but... As soon as I've stepped in the building, the, the professionalism, the quality of the training, the, the atmosphere around the place, the energy is just second to none, uh, to be honest. And when we went on the, on the tour, it was great to see fans coming on the tour. I didn't think that you'd have fans coming that, that far. So it just, got, it, just went, go, it just went to show how much love there was for this football club. Um, and you know, even the, the little things like, you know, we have lunch after training, you know, we're here four days a week together as a group. So there's that togetherness and that family, um, that family kind of unity um, with, with the group. When you're together so much, you, you can't, you have to get on, <laughs> have to get on with people. I'm going to see, you know, I'm going to see them on Thursday. I'm going to see you on Friday. I'm going to see you on Saturday. So you, you kind of have to have to get on with, with people. Um, so the, the project is all geared up for the league above and the league above that. You know, you look at the fan base, you look at the the uh, the proposed plans for a new stadium. This football club is going in the right direction, and you know, to be to be a part of it now, you know, I feel feel sort of privileged and, and proud to be playing for the football club. 
And even just being up there, it was a pretty crazy couple of days for you. Four goals in less than 24 hours. Yeah, it's it was. not a bad start to a <laughs> club career. Do you know what? It's always nerve-wracking as when you come as a striker because I think someone with my reputation of scoring goals puts probably even a little bit more pressure on you because people expect you to score goals. There's that expectation. Why has he not scored yet? Or why, you know, why is he not scoring? So to get that four goals in two games, I was like, that kind of makes me rest a little bit now. I can kind of, not not relax, but right, you, you're off the mark now. It's work time, let's get back to business. Let's, let's try and get some more goals now. Let's try and get some more goals. But I think that really settled things for me, early doors, and, and it allowed me to hit the ground running. And also I think it gave my teammates um, maybe a little bit of a sigh of relief that there's, you know, right, like someone that can, that we can maybe look to that can get those goals. Um, and I've been at Whitehawk, you know, I had a lot of, not a lot of pressure on scoring goals, but I was all, every season it was always like, right, you know, you need to score goals, you know, you need to score goals. But as a striker, you always put that pressure on yourself always and you embrace it you have, you have embrace it or you don't I love it I love having the pressure of having to score every week I love it if I don't score um, if I don't score a chance or if I miss a chance go again I don't dwell on it you know I go again you're a striker so you're going to miss chances because you're the one getting the chances you're not going to score them all um, and it's the best feeling in the world when you do put it in the back of the net so yeah, it's brilliant and you had a great pre-season and then the first couple of games I don't think you netted until it was maybe the third or fourth competitive game mm. And then after that, you've gone on a, a streak of, I think you've got a couple of braces. You've been scoring regularly. How do you feel the competitive Dunwich Hamlet career started for you? From a, person, you from a personal point of view uh, and a goal scoring point of view, I couldn't have asked for, for, for much more, to be honest. Um, you know, at this point last year, I hadn't scored. I didn't think, I don't think I scored until October last season so to have six goals now I'd have bitten your hand off for that at the start of the season so I'm absolutely buzzing in terms of that goal scoring and I feel like my performances have been been good as well I think I can you know you can I'm, I'm probably my biggest critic so I know I can always do better or there's always more that I can do but as it stands I'm, I'm happy with the way I'm performing um and it kind of, I go into games now probably a little bit more settled, um, knowing that, not not satisfied is the word, but probably, probably, like I said, settled in the sense where, right, you've got goals now, let's get some more. Don't, don't think it's enough, because it's never enough, never enough. People are always gonna judge you. People are always gonna critique you. People are always gonna want more, so. It's always about, right, what can I do now to help my teammates get a goal? Not necessarily me as an individual, but how can I help them to get goals? What can I do to get myself a goal, etc. Um, so it has, it has been a good start, and, but that's all it is. It's just a good start. You know, there's still a long way to go in the season. I'm hoping that there's still plenty more goals to come and more good performances. Clearly, the system we're playing works for you. Uh, the players you're playing with works for you. Mm. Can you pinpoint maybe a couple of reasons why you think that is? Maybe players and system? I think you've got um, a mixture of personnel, um, the manager. I think that's, 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 the, that's the main reason is the manager has drummed into the players' heads a, a, a philosophy and a way of playing. 
and I don't necessarily think that's geared towards building around me but I think having me on the pitch is a for, for the manager is a tool for him to use so for example he says there's no point in me being on the pitch if we're not going to do certain things otherwise no point in me being on there and I think that um, he's um, you know he's definitely coached on the training pitch ways in which we can hurt opposition and for me it's a dream because I know that the way he wants to play I'm going to score so many goals but with that being said I'm not going to score goals if I don't have a player like Jeff Monacana out there crossing the ball for me I'm not going to score goals if I don't have the quality of Naira and Clunas out there um, crossing the ball for me or Kieran Monlui driving from midfield or David Ajaya holding you know we're all a team all of these players allow me to thrive and, and, and score goals um, and when you have that quality all I got to do is stand at the back stick and nod it in <clears throat> that's how good these players are you know they do their job Jeff hangs it up at the back stick right now it's my job and um it's, 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 it's brilliant to play with players that are doing what the manager's asking them to do. I've been at clubs where they don't do that and we don't score or it's not going the way we want it to go. But the players are listening and they're playing you know, the way he's asking. Definitely seems like there's some quite experienced uh, figures in the dressing room this year. Obviously yourself, David Jaya, Preston. Uh, to name a few, we've got some like really experienced guys in there. Do you see yourself as like kind of one of the the leaders out there, even if you're not wearing the armband yourself? Yeah, definitely. You know, before the season started, you know, Gavin uh, pulled a few of the, our senior boys. So myself, Richard Orlu, I think Quaid, David Ajaya, Christian Smith. Um, and he said to us, look, for, for, uh, for me, you're all my captains. You're all my leaders out there. You're my senior members of, 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 of staff. You've got the experience, you've played lots of games, you've been involved in big games as well. Um, you know, he obviously then went on to say that I'm going to make Dave my my club captain. But if Dave's not playing, I will not hesitate to give any of, any of you the armband myself. So from day one, he's given us that responsibility within the dressing room to, to keep the group together, um, to make sure that where his sort of eyes and ears and voice on the pitch and also just to look after the group you know there are some young players in the dressing room you know you've got Aaron Barnes you've got Ben Chapman you've got Lewis White um, even Connor Hunt you've got some young players in there that might need a little bit more guidance and a little bit more help and we're, we're just here to to lend them sort of a, a voice really if they're willing to listen to it which to be fair they are um, and we can pass on a little bit of our knowledge and a little bit of our wisdom because we have been there and done that. You know, we've be between the senior players, we've probably pay, played a thousand games. So a lot of games and a lot of big games we've played in as well. We haven't just played games for the sake of playing games. We've played in a lot of massive games and been in promotion chasing sides. Um, so it's great that we can, you know, pass on that advice. And it actually makes me feel a bit old thinking about it now, being a, being a senior player. Um, never been referred to as a senior player until probably the last few years. So, um, no, it's brilliant. I, I, I enjoy it and um, it's great to have the responsibility. And bearing in mind, you are a senior player now. I as am you just admitted. an old man now. <laughs> At this point in your career, are you happy with your skill set? Is there anything you want to improve? Is there anything you're really, really happy with? And also, have we seen either of those sides so far on the pitch at Dulwich? Um, 
I've always known what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And I don't often try the things that I'm not good at. <laughs> but um, I think what possibly the fans have seen since I've been at the club is a willingness to work. Um, I can head the ball a little bit. Um, I like to just think a I, just a little <laughs> bit. I can, you know, I like, you know, I like to think that, you know, I hold up the ball. Never really had a left foot. Use it. I've used it a bit more since I've um, gotten older. I can't shoot it from outside the box. You'll never see me score a twenty-five yard goal. <laughs> never, ever. And I say that all the time. Like, you know, I know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at, and I'm I'm honest with myself. So if I get the ball in the edge of the box, I'm going to pass it probably, <laughs> or I might try and buy a foul or something like that. But I don't know if I'm going to shoot. I don't know how people hit the ball so hard. Like, I think I break my foot. I think that, maybe it's a psychological thing. I think I'm going to break my foot if I hit the ball like that so hard. Um, but no, I, I am I am happy, and I think I've learned how to use my skill set. I've learned how to to head the ball. I've learned how to chest the ball down and jump and and run with the ball because I never used to be able to do those things. You know, even when I was younger playing, I just used to be sort of a headless chicken. But the older that I've got, the more I've tried to hone in on my craft and tweak this and improve that. And I'm still learning now. You know, in training now, I'm trying to strike a ball better. I'm trying to shoot better. I'm trying to score more goals and score probably a better variety of goals now. So maybe I will have a shot from outside the box. <laughs> um, but you, 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 you never stop learning as a player. You know, you should. One thing that I, I teach the boys in the academy is that as soon as you step into the building, you leave your ego at the door. You humble yourself straight away and you come to work and you come and try and improve. Um, no one's bigger than any football club. No one's bigger than any team. We're all here to learn. We're all students of the game. And... I feel like that right now, you know, I'm, I'm very much a student of the game. I'm still learning. I've played a lot of games, but I'm always learning. I'm always having new experiences. Um, but I feel like the longer that I go, the longer that I play, the longer that my knees will, will keep, keep, keep with me, um, I'll learn more. I'll learn more. I'll learn more. And hopefully I'll still be able to jump. <laughs> Once that goes, I'm done, I think. <laughs> Should we pause for a minute and then do the fan Q&A? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, sounds good. Alright, uh, since it's getting pretty dark, we might as well yeah. fire these through while we can still see. Uh, how many goals would you score for City if you were playing in the Prem? Oh. From Jack Gacious. Ben's <laughs> house, mate. If I'm up top with Aguero, I've got to get 20, 25 minutes, I? really. The quality of their team, David Silva popping the ball in, oh yeah, 25, maybe 30, you know. In that side, in that side, yeah, I get it. It's a confident answer. Yeah, yeah, in that side. I wouldn't have to move. I'd just stand there and just head the ball in. They'd find me, wouldn't they? <laughs> uh, this one's from Jules. This is another one of uh, Ben's housemates. Uh, if you could be the best in the world at any sport, what would it be? The best in the world at any sport? Hmm, I'm not going to say football because that's lazy. It's a lazy answer. Um, I think tennis. You're a big tennis man, aren't you? I love I tennis. you popping off the Wimbledon yes, during Yes, yes, tennis. Because I'd love to. I love. I'd love to travel and just travel over the world playing tennis. Definitely tennis. Nice. Uh, Duncan Hart says, uh, "Ollie Jarman has snapped you defying gravity several <laughs> times this season. What's the secret to being able to leap, not just so high, but also time it to perfection? Do you ask for crosses to be aimed higher than for mere mortals? I certainly do. 
I literally tell, um, I say it for banter all the time. Don't you dare cross the ball on the floor. I want you to put snow on it. That is what I say. Um, in terms of jumping, that's just come through experience. Your, ha your hang time? Yeah, what? it is experience. It is literally experience. Every time you do it. You can tell I used to be able to dunk yeah. there. I used to hang up there, didn't I? Um, but yeah, that's come through experience. It's funny because I never used to be able to score with my head. It was impossible. I thought, how do I have a good, I'm so tall, I can't score with my head. And that's like jumping a little bit. I thought, wait a minute, I can hang there a little bit. And yeah, just, just through, through, through mere sheer experience where I've just sort of learned how to judge crosses and timings. And you know, the more games you play, the more you learn, I suppose. So that's it, yeah. That's the secret. <laughs> uh, we've got one from Mishy here. Uh, I've been a fan of Steve King since he started out as youth <laughs> oh, team manager God. at Champion Hill uh, and always had a lot of time for him. Uh, he gets bad press in non-league circles as far as I'm concerned. You played for him at more than one club. <laughs> Is his reputation justified? Good gaffer or bad man? <laughs> Steve King. Steve King. What a man. What a man. What a so I've, man. What I've, um, obviously, I've played a lot of games under Steve a lot of games and obviously played had two spells with him you can't you can't argue with his record that's the first thing he is one of the most successful managers at this level and I suppose with people he's going to be like Mama he is obviously seen only on a match day and Steve King is the way he is on a match day behind all of that he's a good person um, you know I, I speak to him you know, we speak now, you know, I saw him at the Dorking game, he does the commentary there. Um, and we had a good catch up. We were talking about the good old days when we lost in the playoff final to Boreham Woods and the FA Cup run we had. Um, and last season when we lost in the playoff final, um, I think he's a little bit misunderstood. Like I said, you know, people only see him on a Saturday and, you know, he's just passionate on on, 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 on the sidelines, you know, like, like most managers are. Um, has a Half decent dress sense, not really, does he? That can't really dress, can he? <laughs> um, give him a little bit of stick about that all the time. Um, but no, he's helped me out through my career, if I'm being honest. You know, I had my best season under him. You know, I scored 30 plus goals under him. Um, and he, he has a talent for recruiting good players. He has a unbelievable talent for getting together an amazing group of players. Um, at Whitehawk, I probably played under the you know, in the best side I've ever played in at, and at this level. I went to Welling last year. Again, he put together a very good side and the proof's in the pudding. You know, we got to the playoff final last year. We got to the playoff final with Whitehawk. Um, and like I said, we, we, we get on well and, you know, I'm sure our paths will cross again at some point in the future. Um, you know, sometimes we have a bit of a love-hate relationship where he's screaming at me on the side and, you know, I'm I'm probably saying some colourful language back to him. But when all said and done, I can't complain. I've never had any, never really any major fallings out with him. Maybe a few little ones, but you know, that's football. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and lastly, uh, Rod, who's known as the Dulwich Hammer, he says, who would be your dream strike partner? Thierry Henry. <laughs> done. Thierry Henry, idol dream I used to love watching him as a, as a player and every time I saw him cutting off that left and whip I was like I need to learn how to do that I have to learn how to do that so Thierry Henry all day long, all day long <laughs> I think we saw some of those feet in the box the other, the other yeah, day yeah <laughs> well I try anyway I try I maybe can't move as quick as what I used to be able to move but yeah 
I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> and we're going to finish it off with the final quickfire round. I promise this is the final, final round. So I'd like to introduce you to Danny Mills's Mills. <laughs> All right, are Brilliant. you ready? Brilliant. What I'm going to think of that, man. <laughs> Do you want me to shed some light on this? Right? Yeah, literally, because it is pitch black <laughs> on the pitch now at Champion Hill. Right, here we go. So there's a famous, famous 14th century mill in Lyme Regis. But what kind of mill is it? Cotton mill? It's a water mill. It's a water yeah. mill? Yeah. Oh, right. How many sails are you likely to find on a windmill? Eight. Four. Oh my God. What have I said eight for? <laughs> I guess it could be if they're doubling up. <laughs> yeah, I think I was thinking that. I just thought, let me say an even number. <laughs> no, got... What kind of mill would you use to improve your cardio? Say that again. <laughs> what kind of mill would you use to improve your cardio? My cardio? Improve your fitness, I suppose is a better way of... Pasta, maybe? <laughs> Spag bowl? A treadmill. A treadmill. <laughs> Go on, ESVH, I'm going to be happy with that. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so bad, isn't it? So bad, man. So bad, I got sucked in by the mill. <laughs> completely sucked in, isn't it? And finally, in which English county was the cotton mill first operational? I'm going to say Middlesbrough. <laughs> I just gambled, didn't I? I just gambled with something, didn't I? I mean, it's not a county. So. I didn't even hear county. I haven't listened. Have I? I haven't even listened. Have I? I haven't listened. I haven't listened. Have I? It's Lancashire. Right. I've just said Middlesbrough. I've just gambled. I've just said something. Didn't I? I've just said something. Listen, Daddy, it's been an absolute pleasure. No, it's been great. It's uh, been great. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us and for humouring us for what is probably about an hour. Definitely, uh, yeah. It's freezing cold now. You didn't have to come out here and do this with us after you've been training all day. With no, kids. it's been brilliant. It's been brilliant. I hope you've enjoyed it. And, Definitely. Uh, hopefully do this again sometime. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll be on <laughs> another episode hopefully soon. Cool. <laughs> cheers, Millsy. Oh, cheers. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, brilliant. Bro. So that was Danny Mills. Um, we hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the episode, so let us know. Yeah. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, you'll hear from us again soon. Goodbye. Bye. Played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Swaggering dandies.